Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Uh, this week we'll be uh, previewing the Seahawks game against the Green Bay Packers, which has got the Nance and Romo treatment. Uh, it's myself, Stuart Court, and as ever, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? Not too bad. It was a nice, relaxing Sunday without any Seahawk games to stress about. But in, in true fashion, they've all given something, especially me, to freak out about in the last few days. So no shortage of content, Mr. <laughs> Stewart. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, so the Seahawks won by. Not a lot happened with current Seahawks players, like rostered Seahawks players, but it was the ones which we could... Add to the equation, which um, took up most of the conversation, the discourse, as they say in the game. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was released by the Cleveland Browns. Might as well just dive straight into it, because I think that's the main (laughs) talking point. Um, The Seahawks did, did, along with 31 of the teams, didn't claim him. The Seahawks have 13 million, 12 and a half, 30 million dollars in cap space. The Seahawks have question marks over DS Critch. Um, well, as we speak, really, he's been cleared to practice, but obviously, practice is um, a weird like Bermuda Triangle for Seahawks players, it seems, this season. Um, <laughs> and as we record, it looks like his agent or someone is trying to drive the price up for the Packers to pay to add him to. Um, uh, Karen Rogers is the one the nickname of the weekend and the Green Bay Packers and the Seahawks are just sitting on their well the decision makers are sitting on their collective hands Adam yeah I mean there's a lot to talk about with this Um, the first thing to sort of dispel is there was like this thing of people saying well no one claimed him so are all 31 teams wrong I think 25 of them didn't even have the money to claim him. So you can just cast that out straight away because they physically couldn't do it without going over the salary cap, which in the middle of the season, when it's a number like this is pretty hard and fast. You can't, you can't go over the other six. I don't think any of them, the ones that could afford him are even close to sort of this contention idea. And it's just the idea that like, if you have the opportunity to get someone like this, why enter in a position of where you make it a competition, which is really what the Seahawks have done. Um, And we know what will happen. He'll sign somewhere else and there'll be press conferences of Pete Carroll saying, Hey, you know, we we tried really hard on that one. Just, just, just couldn't quite get it done. Just couldn't quite get it done. And you know, there's a, there's a bit of a pushback about Odell Beckham, you know, asking not to be claimed, but he is in no position really to have, a, half, a second half of the season like his first half or maybe even last year and a half really because if he bombs out again he's not going to get anything like the contract he wants from 2022 onwards so this idea that you know Beckham asked not to be claimed like cool but you have no leverage really in the situation and if, if Russell Wilson it ends up being your quarterback for a second half of the season when you can be a third receiver at worst third receiver in a playoff contender like that's a really good situation for him to be in so I don't even think he's he would have 
like not turned up or pouted. Like it would have been a great situation for him to get. And yeah, I'm pretty pissed off because I don't really see, I don't see what there was to lose really. I don't really mind the, the fact that no one claimed him is clearly like a agent powered thing. I don't think it's Odell saying, no, 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 no. I want to do it my way kind of thing. I literally think the agent's gone, look, get your offers ready, but can, like it's like a weird concerted like collusion, basically. That doesn't happen in the NFL, it's true. No, uh, <laughs> everyone, everyone, no, no that's, uh, yeah. that's not yeah. a thing that NFL teams no, no, ever no, do, no, collude no. to not pick up a player. Don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah, but it's, um, yeah, but the fact that it is what, it's now 25 hours after he was free, free, free. Like legitimately someone that could go out and sign. And like I said, it just sounds like it's Seahawks Patriots are being used probably by that same agent via Jordan Schultz to drive up the price for the Saints or the Packers to pay. And the Seahawks are just going to sit idly by with... um, with uh, D. Estridge and all of the question marks in the world. So I think, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just annoying because it, this was a chance, I think you maybe tweeted, or maybe Rob, this is a chance for Seahawks to, like, quieten people. Like, we've been pretty critical of the team for the last six weeks. You probably more so consistently than me. This is a chance to, like, Allay some fears, if that's maybe a bit dramatic, but it was, this is a chance for the PR to spin around positively and people to stop talking about what, what's hiding in the shadows of postseason, off-season, or when um, Russell Wilson goes back on the Dan Patrick show. This was the chance, and again, just sat idly by and, as we record, not doing anything. Exactly. I mean, you're in a position now where the situation with the quarterback is clearly fractured. Um, they seemingly need to invest in him in some capacity. And this would just seem like a really easy way to do it. Um, and yeah, like I get all the counter arguments. Maybe he's not as good a player or whatever, but like you're just going to die not trying at this stage. Like we were told at the start of the season that NFC Championship game or bust was the target. And now we're at this point, just like, well, you know, you might need that $9 million to roll over next year for next year's Luke Jokel. And it's just a bit frustrating because, as we said last week on the show, like, it's just got a bit stale and boring. And that doesn't, that's even worse than being bad. It's boring. And that's just a bit frustrating. It's what, like, I think you, I think, like you just said, like, Odell might not pan out. Like, he could just be just a body. But you've got the chance in a season where the NFC does not look like <clears throat> it's going to have, I mean, maybe Brady could go and win the next 10 games, but it looks like it's going to be a scramble for that six, seven spot in the playoffs. The Silks have got a chance in the conversation. Obviously, a win is massive for that on Sunday, but like Odell Beckham Jr. is on the street in November. He's not injured, but as far as we know, he hasn't got any legal issues or lingering suspension because this is a fan base. This is a team which basically babysat Josh Gordon for two years. 
Yeah. And Every like, time he's become available, people have been pining for his signing. And not because he's cheap, just because of there's a potential talent there. Yeah. And the talent at that... I mean, Josh Gordon did it for what? Half a season in Cleveland before off-field mm. stuff got in the way. Odell Beckham Jr. was probably the best receiver in the league for two seasons, two and a half seasons. I mean, like he changed how NBC broadcasts games because they just talk about it constantly. <laughs> like, yeah. But it, it just, it makes, it doesn't add up. And it's just annoying. Like if, 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 if one of the nine teams ahead of the Seahawks claimed him on Tuesday, fine. No problem. No problem. Because then they could really say, well, we were, and that's what it sounded like was going to happen when Pete spoke on Monday. It mm-hmm. sounded like they were in that hunt, but then in the 24, 22 hours from that to four o'clock Eastern time yesterday, yeah, <clears throat> it's just going to be annoying when he when we see that. Yeah, I mean, Pete was like really coy and... Pete was Pete. R- ...and wry on Monday. Yeah. Which I don't think the 2021 version of Pete Carroll and this roster can be right and like benefit of the doubt hmm. because that benefit of the doubt has dissipated from where it was. Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's, it is just, uh, it kind of, they're giving themselves less wiggle room. Like the people who are kind of maybe on the fence, I think this pod has shown that we're probably not on the fence with what happens in the off season. This is going to get some people, on the negative side of the fence, on the, like, this is done, just start again kind of thing. And then today, Pete was asked by it and then gave the Matt LaFleur response of, he's not a player, it's not a player. Yeah, I mean, look, we're about to be joined by a guest and so, you know, carrying the conversation there, so I don't want to give up all of the points. But yeah, I mean, the benefit of the doubt idea, um, that doesn't really wash this season. Like, this was the season that it had to happen because we all know that there's going to be a serious issue with Wilson in the offseason if he doesn't. And it just feels like such an easy win just to help that problem. Yeah. And they're just not taking it. And it's it's just frustrating. Yeah, it can appease so many people and it costs a million and a half dollars. I mean, they're all about not more than over nine, nine million, but they've done all these void year contracts this offseason. Why, if you've got this opportunity and you're going to, it appears, for the most part, just sit on your hands and wait for wait for the soundbite on Sunday morning before the um, Packers game. Well, yeah, I mean, so, someone said to me on social media today that, you know, if they'd violated what his agent wanted, then it could have messed up their plans for 2022 with keeping Odell Beckham. I don't give a fuck about 2022 right now. Like, we're, we're in a win-now situation, I'm told. So... Can we try and win now? Yeah. I mean, if this offseason proved anything, it's that the Seahawks don't have being relationships with important <laughs> agents of players. So, I mean, maybe that's why they took me. They're just, it, no, because that'd be the opposite. Because if you tie their agents, you don't listen to agents. So you just go and put a claim in for it. I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, the claiming thing, I was kind of okay. But at four o'clock Eastern time yesterday, Errol Beckham should should have been paid a lot of money. I mean, do you have a limit on how much you pay? Well, I mean, I was happy to pay seven point two five million. Okay, so I, because I, I wanted to claim him, so I guess yeah. that's my limit. 
I mean, the, the, I don't understand the legalese of it, but is there a way, is there a chance that he's like asked teams not to claim him so he gets, so he does over Cleveland for more money? Do they still owe him money if he signs elsewhere or? I think that is what's happened, but there was negotiations with his clause, but it just doesn't, I get the idea that his agent might say, look, don't claim him. But also I get the point that Seattle would say, no, we're claiming you on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like like this weekend, you're a Spurs fan, as everyone is fully aware. Huh. I know. Um, yeah. I ha- I, if Conte went, I've just got into the club and Har- I don't want Harry to play more than 100 minutes and Southgate played him 145, mm-hmm. that would not go down well if that leaked for your fan base or Kane's availability for the next six months or however long Kane is at Spurs with Conte, would it? This is basically the same thing, isn't it? Is if a manager, on FM, if you if you ask a player to not play for the international team, they go in a half. Yeah, I don't really know what my point is with that. I'm just... No, I, I think you got that the wrong way around, but I enjoyed yeah, it all maybe. the same. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, it's always nice to talk about Don Antonio. We'll, <laughs> we'll get back on to Ola Beckham when our guest joins us a bit later. Uh, any other... I mean, Chris Carson's been cleared today for practice. Pete Carroll said the Eskridge is full go. Russell Wilson is full go ahead of Sunday. Trey Brown and DJ Reed are the starting cornerbacks moving forward. Um, and it's announced for Seahawks Lander. He's just been in a OBJ fog for the last mm. four days. I do absolutely love the drama surrounding Russell Wilson's finger injury. That like this idea that he's literally come back from, yeah, come back from anything that has made me laugh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's been out for three weeks, and his video looks oh. like he's come back from Alex Smith's leg injury. <laughs> <laughs> You've probably caught the end of that, Stacey. We're just uh, poking a bit of fun at our king dork, Russell Wilson. <laughs> oh no, a it's bit. pretty easy to do. It's pretty easy I mean, to do. As Stuart said, he is prancing around like he's come back from an Alex Smith level injury with the videos. Like it's a finger. <laughs> <laughs> it's three weeks. Yeah. It's very, it's very on brand. It's very Russell Wilson. It's right. It's a production. It's like, okay, let me remind you guys. And then you got the shot of Lambo reminding us that he's playing in Green Bay. <laughs> well, I mean, as I said last week, I've seen the other side of the coin now and I want no part of it. So Whereas I would have taken like three or four first round picks last year, I wouldn't take 30 or 40 first round picks ever again for Russell Wilson. I am forever grateful. He is my leader and I want no part of anyone else to ever throw the ball for Seattle Seahawks ever again. Uh, Now, is that because of the failures with other first rounders you've seen or is it just seeing this offense without him? Good question. So it's twofold. Firstly, it's that. Secondly, as I said with Jackson or Rob, who was on with us last week, We stay up till like five in the morning on a semi-regular basis to watch this team play. And when that ceases to be fun, the idea of doing that becomes so sickening that it's just depressing beyond whatever. And when I see Matt Rule is probably going to want to get rid of Sam Darnold and the idea that I'm sure that Pete Carroll thinks there's a guy I can turn around. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not staying up till five o'clock to watch Sam Darnold play for the Seahawks. It was bad. It was bad enough with Geno Smith when at least I knew that was temporary, but I don't want Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Darnold or Hey, Colt McCoy, maybe he can do it. I, I want no part of it. So it's twofold. Would you take Zach Wilson? 
No, I would not take Zach Wilson. I'd rather have Owen Wilson than Zach Wilson. <laughs> we'll put together an amazing team, though. That's yeah, I think true. that's also impacted uh, my thing, too, is it, it's not just uh, seeing the offense without Wilson. It's also seeing how many failed first-rounders specifically this year kind of making the rounds right there's Darnold you've seen Wentz being traded Goff gets traded like you've seen all these guys where their team thought they'd found their guy and it wasn't yeah it's it's nearly Thanksgiving and Jared Goff has not won a game without Sean McVay as his head coach it's my it's my favorite start of seeing this season he's Owens 15 yeah without that's not sure what coach, but yeah, but yeah. Um, well, let's, Stacey, we 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 just we had like a thrilling OBJ conversation just now, and I'm oh God. I'm raging. I, I'm furious. Like, what as, are you furious about? Because again, it sort of links to that excitement thing, and I, you know, Stuart and I said, if any of the eight teams ahead of the Seahawks claimed him, fine, but mm-hmm. the money is there. The position on the roster, I would say, is there. We were told in the summer that this was NFC Championship game or bust season. And I'm frustrated because I'm starting to wonder half the time the Seahawks act like there's a long-term vision and the other half the time they act like everything is win now, short term. And if I kind of look at that as an overall pie, I think it's pretty much win now or they're knackered um, because of the stuff that could happen. And for me, like, why not try? there's so little to lose to do it and look they didn't claim him fine but to not have it when he signs for the chiefs and pete carroll's like yeah we tried really hard but you couldn't quite get Mm -hmm. it done i mean i'm gonna be apoplectic (laughs) no it's a fantastic point i i like the uh the way you've described just their own outlook feeling like two different teams sometimes because that is how it feels sometimes you feel like uh, there's a long-term vision, not just with Schneider's extension, but uh, the focus on young guys, the focus on, you know, leaning toward the future. And in theory, having Wilson for part of that, we're not guaranteed Wilson's going to be here next year. Honestly, like if this team is horrible, I don't think he'll be here next year. Um, you also wonder, like, eventually it's the the hill is going to turn the other way for Bobby Wagner, uh, who's going to be into his 30s and, and every great player eventually declines. It just happens. Um, and not only that, but your best players that can get you to a Super Bowl are at their best right now. And a lot of the young players you've had have sh- have not shown yet that they can take you there. So, uh, so yeah, I, I feel the same way. And I've been surprised to see how many people and it, it's a small sample size. It's, it's like message boards or comments and texts that we get. Right. So it's a very Mm. specific audience, but I've still been surprised to see how many people are like, absolutely not nothing to do with Odell. I don't want him on this team. He'll hurt the team. And the excuses use that word are always, he's a locker room cancer. It's like, well, then cut him. Like they're, they're going to be paying him less than that 7 million now that he's cleared waivers. So get rid of him if you don't want him there. Uh, and secondly, that they already have wide receivers. And it's like, God forbid you get more of a good thing. <laughs> like, God forbid. I mean, I'm sure the Chiefs are looking at the situation going, you know what? We have Tyree. <laughs> we've got this great, we've got this great tight end with Travis Kelsey. We're good. No, yeah. you, you want more weapons. The more decisions a defense has to make, the better. I mean, if if Seahawks fans got their way, um, Josh Gordon would be here. Like, he's the comparison. And like, there is 
and Antonio no Brown. Antonio Brown would be yeah. here. Yeah. And there's, n- I mean, there's a difference between that one, but um, there's no, uh, Obi- like Russell Wilson said when he first spoke after the off season, whatever that was, that the way to solve everything is by winning. That solves everything. OBJ on paper gives the Seahawks, as they appear, the best chance of doing that for the next 10 weeks. If that costs yeah. seven and a half million or 800 grand for the next 10 weeks, and it, like you say, it doesn't work at 800 grand. It's 800 grand. They paid that for four weeks of Sean Mannion. <laughs> so it's like... well, and you... God. They also, uh, like, they don't have anyone else, right? It's not like you're choosing between Odell Beckham Jr. and, and uh, or do you sign Stephon Gilmore or do you pick up this great defensive end off the waiver wire instead of him? Like, it's Odell Beckham Jr. or presumably no one. I, I don't know who you think you're going to find that you would rather have instead of him. If I had my pick of positions I would fill before wide receiver, I, like any other Seahawks fan, would choose a couple positions before that. I'd love to see a really healthy, effective running back out there. Obviously, a great, effective edge rusher. I even take a like a shutdown corner, clearly. Those guys are not available right now. They rarely become available midseason, much less post-trade deadline. I don't know what people think they're saving for. <laughs> yeah. like, this also, isn't going to be like a rollover minutes situation. Yeah, but also, if they save cap, we're not getting any of that money. Like, it's not like it's not yeah, like a it's not not like, a, like a tote thing. <laughs> Free tickets yeah. for everyone. It's great. Like as Adam said, just have a bit of fun. Also, like Dieskri just come up a lot with why we don't mm-hmm. need but his like health and whatever's happened he's gone through for the last six weeks is kind of it seems precarious and the same like people saw Chris Carson's back this week Russell Wilson's back Chris Carson seems precarious like Pete didn't yeah. seem to really commit to him being back on Sunday either so like the reasons to not add OBJ are valid because it's Carson and Wilson and uh, uh, the first draft pick they made this uh, offseason but everything is precarious and the biggest thing that is precarious is the relationship with the quarterback and this you expect would help that. Yeah. I think people get this narrative in their head. I feel like a lot of the time, and I'm sure you guys see this, you see recycled arguments for and against things you might like. And uh, I think that happens when people don't want to think their team needs help or when people have a perception of, Uh, a player in a locker room for instance the one about Oda Beckham Jr. being a problem I can understand why people have that perception and understand why you'd be worried it would hurt a locker room I'm less worried about that hurting Seattle's locker room than I am some other locker rooms Um, but then you know I think that there is this narrative that you keep alive about your own team where it's like no they're going to be fine they're getting these guys back and they're going to be fine. And then this will be okay. And it's like Seahawks fans have seen a team win for so long and make it work despite so many bad decisions, sometimes great decisions, but some bad decisions that I think that there's this idea that it'll just work out. Like trust the process. Yeah. Then if you have these Stacey, but outside like corner shops in the UK, which is like a, like a very small convenience store, they have these like charity things and you put a coin in, and Stu, you probably know what I mean. You know when it goes around and around and around, yeah. and it gets closer and closer and closer and closer to the hole. And like, it's going to drop, and it doesn't drop. It's going to drop. It doesn't drop. It. Nick, Pete Carroll got to the hole last week when he said, <laughs> if Russell Wilson wasn't here, 
I probably wouldn't still be here. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. Pete, you worked it out. It's <laughs> all about him. So we need to do everything for him because then everything will be fine and you'll be fine. And this just felt like such a good opportunity to just back the main guy and they're going to spurn it. And it just leaves me, I don't know, my coin's just going to hit the bottom now. And I just feel really deflated that I'm not having the fun with it. And I'm not having fun with the team this year. We've discussed this at length. I don't know what it is. We just mm-hmm. not have, we, we, this podcast kind of view is that we're just quite bored and not having fun, quite looking forward to a regime change. But at least that could have been like, I don't want to say a shot of life because that's way too political at, at this stage, but it could have been like, a, like an, an, an injection of some life and some spirit into the lot. Like Stu and I are coming over for the 49ers game. I want to buy a Beckham jersey. I want to see him play. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's selfish, but I want that. I want to, I want to, like, I want Sunday to be looking forward to it because I'm not looking forward to any game. And I just want to like, and I feel maybe that's not the case with fans in Seattle when it's more local and it's, it's less of like a special thing. It's more an just nor- normalized, but everything's like an event. Yeah. For us, as you say, and I, I just want to like believe in something again, because I'm, I'm just finding it so flat. Well, and it, especially if you don't think, I think what I'm hearing too is especially to someone like you, who's like, Hey, I want to see this decision made and this decision made. Uh, There's also implications to the decisions not being made. So it's like, I don't want to believe in this team's chances more than you do head coach. Mm -hmm. Like I want you guys to make moves that show me. That's what Jake talks about a lot is like uh, that the desire to win and be competitive should translate uh, into taking chances that a lot of teams have kind of been coached. And I mean this in like a front office way for decades to avoid like draft picks, early round and first round picks have always been the most valuable thing you can have. And you know what I mean? There's a reason there are fewer trades overall in the NFL uh, than, than in some other leagues. And it's like, it's just in general, even though we've seen blockbuster moves from Seattle, kind of a risk averse league, right? Like the stats about, uh, about fourth down attempts and, and you don't see the league following that kind of thing. Like it is just, you are, it is a risk averse is a word I keep coming back to, but, um, and so I, I think that um, Seattle, it's not that they need to make big moves for the sake of making big risky moves to prove they want to win. But when there's something that obviously makes you better, I don't understand what the risk is. Mm. Like, I don't understand what the drawback is of bringing in Beckham other than maybe there's a personality that you don't like. And again, because he's a free agent, you're giving him a new contract. What's that cost you? A veteran minimum salary? You know, it's, it's fiscally not irresponsible. And if it, if it messes up in a, in a social or team building aspect, it's very easy to get rid of him. He's not a guy that, that would cause a lot of ruckus from fans if you cut him. Uh, so I don't understand the, the hesitation here, I guess. No, but also this is well, outwardly, but from what we saw, this, this is the same kind of thing that started everything with Russell Wilson gazing elsewhere around the NFL is because when he didn't sign Antonio mm-hmm. Brown 18 months ago, then he went to be such a focal point of that Super Bowl run, Super Bowl win for the Buccaneers. And that kind of set that again, publicly set that ball rolling for how we are kind of sat on a precipice of, yeah, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling how open a goal it is. And they're just kind of 
Yeah, they're taking the Jamie Tart extra pass kind of thing. So they're just like Jamie change. <laughs> Spoiler, Adam. But yeah, uh, is that Ted, uh, is that Ted Lasso joke? Ted Lasso reference. Oh no! Um, oh, no. Oh. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, um, you join us halfway through. How are we, Stacey? Uh, good, good. It's, it's, <laughs> it's funny having this uh, same conversation. Uh, I do like the conversation, and it's it's fascinating hearing your guys' perspectives on it because it's so different than the combating perspective I normally see. And while I respect people's opinions, I think there's a little bit of a like a Russell Wilson, an antagonistic approach to Russell Wilson. And sometimes I wonder, uh, I don't know, if, like I'm phrasing this in a way that isn't offensive. Sometimes no one listens, don't worry. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if there's uh, an expectation of uh, specifically in the NFL of a likable player uh, in the States from a United, from an American audience that is different from a British audience. Like I, I feel like people, maybe this is just outside of Seattle, but I feel like people outside of Seattle are completely fine with the fact that like they don't have to love Russell Wilson and everything he does to be able to acknowledge very plainly that he's incredibly talented and a rare type of player. And I feel like um, in Seattle, what I see is this idea that like you don't like him as a person. Maybe you think he's like a celebrity or you think that he's, I don't know, on all the time. There's just, there's a lot of like hateful rhetoric. Uh, and I don't know if it's people being um, just tired of winning and like they don't realize what they have, or if it's this idea uh, from this particular audience that like being hardworking and quiet is somehow more appealing than, right? Like I had someone say like, I wouldn't want to get a beer with him. And I was like, he's not getting a beer with you. <laughs> <laughs> what you think, you think Russell Wilson's like heading down to the Ram or something? Like he's not... It, so I, I, uh, I've, I've been wondering whether just the kind of celebrity people embrace or accept is different here than elsewhere. It, it was the same with Sherman, though, wasn't it? Because he was so vocal and vociferous in some, in some aspects against the quarterback. The car people, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, get rid of him. So when he was an option in soft season or, what, a month ago, it was like, no, 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 the same thing for Odell was what was being used against Richard Sherman. And then within two weeks, he's calling and coaching DBs in Tampa because he's injured. It's, mm. Yeah, it just seems the same, Adam. Well, I mean, we had a great time in the off-season finding the pictures of Russell and Sierra in Venice and slaying him <laughs> for them because they were hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but I right. think I think we found it pretty easy to separate person from player play a it helps that he's objectively a sensational person anyone that goes to a children's hospital every tuesday is clearly a terrific person and i think with that you're able to have fun poking fun at a guy because you know that you're not going to be digging into any anything that's like below the surface that could be nefarious or you don't need to worry about going into bat for a guy because he's clearly a good guy but in on the flip side, he's still a massive weirdo, but he's all weirdo, <laughs> yeah. and that's fine. And it's and it's fine. I'm not. If you want to hate Russell Wilson as a person because you think he's fake, or you think that he has an ego, or his ego's too big and his sense of self worth is too much, I would much rather have that than someone who is legitimately like has committed crimes and is a horrible person. Yeah. Like I feel like that is less offensive to me. 
So yeah. a football player has an ego? Oh my God. It, it might have been even you that Knocking. we just discussed it with last year, but do you know anyone that listened to his podcast ever? No. And like uh, Russell had, Wilson's podcast? Yeah. No. He had a no. he had a po- he had a podcast with like huge superstars and no one listened. And you'd think like if any quarterback, like franchise guy, like if Drew Brees had a podcast, everyone in New Orleans would listen to that. But like no one did because he's I think I said you know, he's tried so hard to create a brand that he almost has no brand because he's kind yeah. of become such a saccharine thing that there's nothing to hang your hat on. But like, if that's the worst thing about my quarterback, like, cool, <clears throat> I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a perfect way to say it because that is kind of what it's become. Is like, uh, I think there's this feeling of uh, who's the real Russell? And it's like, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like he's an awful person. So if the real Russell isn't someone you know, I can live with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a week ago, well, no, yeah, about a week ago, no one really knew much about Aaron Rodgers. And then <laughs> the window broke. <laughs> so maybe being on this side of the right. of the aisle is not a bad place to be. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So what, what's your take been on the, what, seven, eight weeks of this season? Because mm. it was a slog, yeah. The three back to back to back primetime games with Geno Smith at quarterback. I'll never was, forgive them. I'll never forgive them for that. The fact that Pittsburgh game wasn't flexed is just oh painful. Painful. Um yeah, you know, it's uh I think there were some reservations heading into the season, both with myself, with reporters that I spoke with, that there were just still a lot of important question marks. Like throughout training camp, you never saw, for instance, a cornerback stand out guys would occasionally make plays um I think um Akella Witherspoon had like a pick one day so you'd get that kind of standard stuff but I don't think at any point you left training camp and these are the same reporters who saw uh that position group at its best with the Legion of Boom you didn't leave training camp feeling like they had an answer there and it became apparent very early that they did not so those kinds of things like the cornerback battle you knew that they'd be dealing with but like what I didn't necessarily expect is uh, a, a defensive line and a pass rush that was just so, uh, I don't even want to say inconsistent because while they've gotten to the quarterback at times, they are, they are not like a, a top unit or even a top 15 unit. And uh, like they're not getting great pressures on. They're kind of middle of the road and pressures and quarterback knockdowns and hits and hurries and then uh and actually completing those and getting sacks they're right at the bottom of the league with like two teams below them so um i think it's been disappointing to see defensive problems persist and if your defense is struggling your offense cannot also struggle and despite everything we were hearing about shane waldron his offense being up tempo uh really focusing on third down uh you just haven't seen it And it's really hard to tell whether that's because they don't have Wilson right now and Carson has been injured or because they're still working out a lot of issues with it. Yeah. And then defensively, sorry, Stu. Go on, go on, go on. Defensively, I said over the off season, like Pete Carroll could go wash his hands right now and forget more about football than I'll ever know in my entire life. And yet an idiot like me could see there were problems in the secondary Mm -hmm. and linebackers like from March onwards. So I mean, you guys speak to him on, on the station and you have good, good access to him. If you could like give him a truth serum 
or kind of work out like what why did you think this would work when idiot adam five thousand miles away could see it probably wasn't going to work like why yeah yeah i think uh i think pete carroll is an incredibly and i don't mean this uh as an offensively but an incredibly stubborn person in a way that a lot of uh, head coaches have to be. I think that when you get into that environment where you have to create a culture built around your idea and your philosophy on and off the field, um, a lot of being successful means sticking to that. And the problem is when the rest of the league changes around you or uh, when you get different people in the building. And I think that one of the cardinal sins to Pete Carroll is not knowing who you are and then um, forgetting yourself and your principles along the way. And, uh, I, in my opinion, uh, that isn't something that has to apply to the way you use personnel. Um, you can have, uh, basic philosophical principles. We protect the football. We stop the run. Uh, we're aggressive on defense. We're great on special teams and also tailor your approach to the weapons you have. And, in my opinion, he has not done a good enough job of doing that, even though he's been stellar with some of the other things like building a culture and getting people to buy in. Yeah. I mean, he said for most of Bruce Irving's first time in Seattle that we, we just going to put him in the positions where he does what he does best. And it, for them, he got Bruce paid. So it clearly worked. But he's like, as you say, he seems to have gone away from that, particularly this year with the players he's got his, at his disposal. I don't... Yeah. I mean, we, Obviously, you know, we, we are, we're not beholden to anyone. Um, so I think we probably had a view that it might be time for a change at the end of this year, just to, to like, to see. Because at this point, I kind of feel like we're a bit of a Jeff Fisher's Rams with a great quarterback. Um, and I know it's harsh, but right. like, I think 13 teams have been to the championship game in the NFC since the Seahawks have. And like, there's only so long that can go on for b- before that becomes So you're thing. like, instead of being stuck at eight and eight, you're stuck at wild card. Yeah. But ultimately we're here to win championships. Like we, we experienced it once and that was great. And these playoff games. Yeah. I, I don't think it's being ungrateful to say that we want a bit more than that now because Russell Wilson's going to be a long time retired and he might be the best quarterback mm-hmm. any of us ever see in Seattle, which is depressing. But as a result, mm-hmm. I don't apologize for being demanding when I have it. So I think Stuart and I are probably at the point of if in this summer there was an amicable departure between head coach and franchise, I would I would be pretty happy with that because I know the idea of, well, be careful what you wish for, but what have I got right now? Like, cool. I'll, I'll have to start again. But what, what do you feel is like the general consensus over there amongst you? I, I know it's a really hard question mm. because it's a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah, opinions. Yeah. But, you know, if, if, if you had to kind of group everyone in, in, a, in a Venn diagram or whatever, you know what? I'm going to say it's split along age most often, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, with uh, many older fans saying, stay with Carol. He's done so much for this city and many younger fans saying uh, change and, and adapt and find someone else. I don't think that's a coincidence at all, as I'm sure you guys don't either. And I would equate it to like older Seahawks fans have been through some really, really <laughs> ugly versions of this team. And, uh, and I think that they uh, not only being older and being in a city for longer, are you just more loyal to your team and, and the people that are there all the time? But I think they also think like, Hey, I've seen really bad coaches here and Pete Carroll's the best one. Like you want to get rid of him? 
uh, be more grateful. Um, and then with younger fans, they obviously look around the league and, uh, and are more open to change. And uh, I think that they also, in my opinion, are more open sometimes to just different ways to watch football, looking at analytics and stuff like that in a way that makes them more open-minded to those kinds of things. You can make an argument either way. I, I think Pete Carroll is a fine uh, leader. And I think that uh, he has done a ton for the city and he selfishly, I enjoy the way he interacts with the media. He's very easy to talk to and work with. Um, and not only that, there are a lot of people behind the scenes that are affected with a change at the top. People that we will never meet face to face that we'll never talk to, but sometimes there's a cleaning house that happens and people that had nothing to do with this team end up losing their jobs. And it's really tough. Um, that said, I tend to side kind of with that idea that like change, change your approach with Carol or move on because the approach they have right now is kind of being stuck in the mud. And, and there is a kind of unwillingness to look and take a hard look at the things that they need to change with this program. And it's, for instance, changing big issues defensively. I from the outside, feel like there needs to be some kind of internal pushback and some kind of internal challenge to Pete Carroll to say, this isn't working. And you can't just keep buying in and you can't just keep believing that it'll change because it's happened before. And I don't know if he doesn't have that guy in the program, but it doesn't sound like he does. Yeah, I mean, we spent a whole offseason calling for the team. Bobby Wagner seemed to say it pretty publicly as well, to re-sign KJ Wright for a multitude of reasons. And for the first six weeks of the season, Bobby and most of the fan base have been proven right because that is the role he did, the things he did well, are the things that this def- one of the things that this defense right. isn't doing very well at the minute. Yeah, like the screens and everything. Like he was yeah. able to contain the edge in a way where you're like, oh God. Yeah, it's it's and you know what though? That's kind of that's kind of telling in itself. Like the fact that no offense to KJ Wright. Uh, he still was really effective in his 30s. But the fact that the fan base has to clamor and argue for a 32-year-old to be re-signed <laughs> because they don't have anything else and they've had top picks is kind of telling. Yeah. I mean, was it Barton was their first pick of the draft like two years ago, three years ago, and it's just, yeah, no, no, no. Like you said, keep re-sign the 32-year-old. He's uh, uh, been there a decade. Yeah, yeah. They've had a lot of misses. I mean, Marquise Blair, who's been banged up a lot, and uh, so that's been tough to figure out. But like, Malik McDowell obviously didn't work out. Um, uh, Daryl Taylor will see what he looks like. Same with Jordan Brooks. But um, you've had a lot of guys, like even if they're fourth and fifth rounders, like a Nas Jones or Lane O'Hill or Tedrick Thompson, uh, even Shaquille, who was a starter for you for a while, but was never really a shutdown guy and then left after his rookie deal. Like you haven't been able to hit on that side of the ball. And like, I don't think there's a coincidence. Like, or I don't think that, I mean, uh, that, that those two things aren't related, that your struggles defensively are very much related to you just not having great guys yeah. or not having guys of the caliber that you did before. Yeah. And then the ultimate irony is that these, I have no basketball analogies in my kind of conversational locker, but I'll give a couple of go. But Try like <laughs> these, these like layups that KJ Wright seem to be that in my opinion, yeah. Odell Beckham is a layup. They just you know don't fancy those, but they'll go for the half court shot of Jamal Adams, which at the minute is proving ultimately like the thing that if Jody Allen was maybe a slightly more proactive owner, might be the reason that an owner would turn around and say, 
you did that. You've twisted the franchise in knots for two years because of this really, and left us, you know, devoid of money in some capacity, picks in other capacity, like someone needs to, you know, carry the can for this decision and probably lose their job for it. And of, of all the ones like Seahawks fans scoff at the Rams the whole time, like, Von Miller, you know, second and third round pick. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah. Like, they won't have any picks in five years' time. Yeah, but they might make two Super Bowls, which is kind of what we're here doing. <laughs> but then they'll be like, yeah, well, Jamal Adams, you know, great pick. But that whole thing is, has been quite frustrating because for a number of reasons, like no one picked any safeties in the first round of the draft, which is like a referendum on business positional importance. And some people are saying that Jamal Adams is playing well now, which is maybe he is, but if this is what a million dollars a game gets you, then it definitely wasn't worth it. Yeah, no. And it's, uh, I think a really common critique that I have heard within the building from, uh, from, from Jake, my co-host and from Michael Bumpus, uh, both of whom I really trust their opinion on these things is that they just don't love the way he's being used. They feel like, for instance, like decisions to blitz him aren't being disguised very effectively um, or aren't, aren't being used uh, to benefit other players and, and, and let them sneak in other players. And um, I don't know if they're just letting him freelance. I don't know if they're trying to help their uh, pass coverage and, and they think they have enough up front and they, they don't need to blitz or they don't need to add guys, but it's not working or it's uh, I like pointing to kind of like how useful are these positions? Like their two highest paid players are a linebacker and a safety if I, if I were to close my eyes and think, okay, it's your team, what are your two highest paid defensive players? I'd probably say a shutdown corner and, and a great edge rusher or a great pass rusher, um, which is what the Rams have. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something that absolutely needs to change. And it, it seemed at the time this trade was made, like Jamal Adams was a great fit for what Pete Carroll wants to do defensively, but it is hard not to feel because Jamal Adams is pretty talented that that part of it is the way he's being used um and again it's that's when i think it's helpful to have that voice in your program that's like how about this how about trying this yes yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the bruce Irvin thing in reverse so not putting him in a place where you can <laughs> produce and be not get a contract elsewhere but like, I, I don't i didn't mind the jamal adams trade the second first round pick is going to be a, it's going to be it's so annoying it's, especially when you see MYJ, Green Arrow, SEA, and like ninth mm-hmm. overall. I mean, it's so annoying. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Uh, Stu, least- what, what I'm hearing is that this Carl Potato Smith is not holding Pete Carroll <laughs> to the account that I was promised. Potato. A man called Potato is not holding someone to account. I'm stunned. I'm, I'm stunned. Mm. He was brought back oh, three no. years after being fired. Um, at, least, um, at least the college gridiron team in Seattle are doing all right. Wow, <laughs> that's I'll the best segue I've got. I mean, yeah. you, are you are you double um? Yes, uh, unfortunately, it's been a rough. It's been a rough, and they lost uh, the the opener for men's hoops last night. It's just yeah. like they might be looking at. Not only will both major schools in uh, Washington with football be looking at entering their rivalry game without a head coach that they started the year with. <laughs> But also, like, the men's hoops program could be looking at, like, how do we buy out Mike Hopkins? Because, like, these, this looks like a, troubles are continuing here. And I um, – Because he, 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 he came from Syracuse, wasn't it? And, like, yeah. massive, like, buzz and 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. what's weird is like in theory, all of this should have worked out. I don't know about Rolo. <laughs> I'm not a Coug, and so I don't really uh, know as much about him. But like Jimmy Lake was very highly regarded, one of the best DB coaches in the country, a guy that uh, players really, really liked and responded to. And on paper, that kind of guy can make for a good coach. But the program that he wanted to run just feels so outdated. Uh, and I think it's in a way that hurts with recruiting too. Mm. Uh, with with uh, men's hoops, I don't even know how you fix that. I just would love one good program. <laughs> I, would, I would truly, but, yeah, truly like, love it. But Jimmy Lake can clearly coach defense because you've got Elijah Molden making plays, Byron Murphy, uh, Joe Tryon, Vita Vea, Buda Baker. Um, and you got like there's clearly been players come from his learning tree have gone into yeah. it, made them step but it's just he's got the keys to the whole shebang and it's gone well bang quite it's, quickly. it's really more like the decisions he's made like it's less you aren't a horrible coach your decision to hire john donovan was a bad decision <laughs> that like should have been corrected sooner and also yeah. put that run the damn ball hat on in his first press conference oh, and alienate God. your entire passing game and like what yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I was, right. I was, we, we had our, we've just moved house and we had our Sky TV fitted on Saturday and UW Oregon was on Sky. And so I was watching it in I'm bed. I'm so sorry. My, my wife was thrilled that I had it on in bed at 2 a.m. when I was really excited getting in from an Adele concert watching this game. And I was just watching like aghast at how awful they were at everything. And then, and oh then, well, then we went to bed and woke up and saw the punt. Yeah, went to bed at halftime, then it got worse somehow. You woke second. up during the punt? No, no, no. I woke up like, woke up, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Like, woke up the next day and looked, and yeah. Danny O'Neill is losing his shit over. Oh, the God, Danny. Did you see Dylan Morris throwing in a triple coverage? That was another one I loved. That was a <laughs> highlight if I've ever seen one. No, it's just, it's really ugly play. And, uh, they've gotten themselves into a position where they can't do much correcting because you've got junior Adams as your interim OC, but what do you do? Like you can't change the playbook. You can't do anything. It's like a, it, it was a lost season a while ago, but feels even more so because you, you don't have the control to write the ship and you just pray if you are a UW alum uh, or a fan of the program that it doesn't affect recruiting next year and the year after that you can find a way to turn it around and make guys excited about coming here. Cause if I was a top flight receiver, uh, I don't know that I'd want to come here. Yeah, and but at least our, I mean our guy do guys finally gonna be able to um, enjoy a oh. Cougs win in a few weeks as well. I think, isn't he? Let me tell you what: we are in a fantasy football team. We've been <laughs> in the same fantasy football team together for like four years, five years. Uh, I can't believe it's been that long. And there is a lot of trash talking that goes into that thread. There's like <laughs> ten guys, or like yeah, ten guys, and it kind of runs the gamut of like uh, someone went to Idaho couple of people went to UW, a couple of people went to Wazoo and uh, I have no responses now. Like it's gotten to the point where I just kind of, I don't even, I just like uh, I thumbs down, but I can't really talk trash. Like it's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I don't like not having these resources and the threads. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I said to you, Stu, when you put that, you sent me that picture that Tim Booth put up at kickoff of the attendance. Yeah. And I said to Stu, like, you might as well sack the head coach now because he, you can't turn that around that you're done. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that loss to Montana has killed them in so many ways, but you can't turn that around. And then you go and punch your player in the face. Doesn't make it better. That That's for sure. And then say you didn't. Yeah, he said he didn't. He said he separated them. He said I didn't. He was asked, um, he, someone, a reporter used the word strike. 
So like, do you, you know, what, what went into striking this player? And he said, I didn't strike him. I separated them. That's his, immuni- that's his immunized moment. Eh? Yeah. But it's saying, yeah, before. Are you vaccinated? Yeah. yeah I'm immunized. <laughs> uh, right. Talking of that person, uh, Sunday back on the Seahawks, um, cornerback is an issue and Devante Adams is healthy and... Yeah, he's healthy. <laughs> it's, it's not a nice mix, is it, uh, Stacey? No, I, I don't love this matchup for Seattle at all. Now, the thing is, if you're kind of like a glass half full person, as you look back at week nine at some of the more wild games we saw around the league this year, um, and every team has a weakness. Like I, This is kind of a weird year for uh, the NFL as a whole where it doesn't feel like one particular team is running away with it in either conference. I think that the Cardinals and and then the Packers obviously going on to win six in a row were the closest to that in the NFC outside of the Bucks. Um, In the AFC with the Chiefs toppling in uh, in the the Bills kind of having two pretty ugly games. It's, you go with Buffalo, but uh, so you've seen upsets and you know that in theory, it's, it's a game you can win, that there are weaknesses to expose. Um, I have little faith in the run game right now, which I think that they would need to go against this defense just to get at, not balanced in a 50, 50 approach, but like make the defense, you know, try to defend the run a little more often. Uh, and right now I, I would doubt that they're too afraid of it. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, you're going to have to have a stellar game from Russell Wilson in his first game back. I uh, agree with you guys earlier. I'm not entirely confident Carson's playing. We'll see, but Pete Carroll did not seem too optimistic about that. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's just going to have to be shocking on Russell Wilson and and DK (laughs) and Tyler to to get it done and and hopefully some luck, hopefully some luck that the that the Jags had or uh, any that Broncos, any number of teams that upset this weekend. Yeah, so we need to sign someone called Aaron Rodgers and or Jordan Love and put him on yeah, put, 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 put him exactly at linebacker right. and just expect him to do everything like Josh Allen did. Adam? Yeah, I mean, to square the circle from earlier, like the, the fact that it is so much parity in the NFC is yet another reason why, like, just right. go and sign someone that could make you a <laughs> It's anyone's game still. Like, yeah, just yeah. maybe, maybe do something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm fairly well on record to say that I despise every single thing about the Green Bay Packers, most notably their self-righteous nonsense fan base that it would just be terrific, terrific to go up there. And and, having not been invested in this season at all, Green Bay is a game that will get me going because they are just vile in every way. And I just want to beat them so badly. Um, Is that the fan base you hate the most? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because in, 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 NFL. Well, in the NFL, I mean, obviously there are yeah, subhuman, yeah. there are subhumans uh, in in North London right. that, that I don't even acknowledge as uh, as part of, the, part of the human race. But but yeah, but that you know, I hate them the most because they're the most similar to who I really hate in that sort of we're this, we're, oh. we're so special, you know, we're a different breed, you know, yeah, you know, we've done this and we've uh, yeah, just vile, 
Aaron Nagler, basically. Fascinating. Yeah, Cheesehead yeah. TV. I mean, just in the mud is where I want them all day on Sunday. Like, if, if we beat them, I'll, I'll, I won't I won't watch a single thing of the series. I'll just watch every bit of their fan reaction just to <laughs> and just drink it. Drink that's, it. So that's what I did Saturday. I, I got in from the pub, going from my mates. Instead of watching Match of the Day, I found the, uh, did we play? Bristol City fan reaction videos and just watched yeah. that happen yeah. from the away end. It's the best. It's the best A- thing Aaron, to do. Aaron Rodgers can drink clay and I'll drink those fan reactions <laughs> and it'll be great. Do you ever go into like a fan? Th- I don't know what they, what you guys look at, but they have like an SB Nation fan blog and I'll go look at like the opposing team once in a while, especially the live game feed. And you can see fans writing their own reactions and it's just this sick satisfaction you get seeing them early be like this team is trash yeah. and then later on they're like what's happening yeah. <laughs> the, the, the best one of that was the, chef's kiss was the best yeah. was the jags one i don't know what it's called the sb nation one where they posted the game wrap midway through the third quarter i mean that's just the best when they played us a few weeks ago but um yeah, yeah i'm not looking, i'm not that confident for sunday Adam, despite all that as much as i want you to enjoy your sunday night no i think if I had to make a pick, I'd probably say 28-17 Green Bay, unfortunately. And it breaks my heart to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Stacey? Are you, you going to pick it? Do you have, are you oh, allowed God. to pick uh, it? I'm, I, I, I am. I'm going to go Green Bay on this one. Uh, man, how much do I want to go? Uh, <laughs> I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance the defense allows over 30. Yeah, uh, I hope that's not the case, but. Like, I hope that some of the defensive improvements are real, but I'm going to go uh, over 30, like, I don't know, 34, 32 for Green Bay, maybe 21 for Seattle. I would say yeah. a 10-point difference. Yeah, and then the conversation probably changes a little bit if the Seahawks do lose on Sunday because the, the window for this season for the playoffs closes that little bit more with a, another mm-hmm. NFC road loss. So we had the Vikings... Um, the Saints at home and the Packers is not good. No, especially with yeah, the Cardinals I, coming into town the week after. Yeah, and we don't know if Kyler Murray will play yet. I would probably anticipate he would, but we know he's probably not going this weekend. So it's like there's always a chance he couldn't. How yeah. amazing would it be to get uh, Jordan Love and then uh, not Kyler Murray the following week? Um, yeah, it's – I'm like not ready to admit – that there isn't a chance, even though when you think of the math, like, okay, they can afford two more losses, let's say. And then you look at the schedule and you go, oh, I could find four. Like, <laughs> like you're, not, <laughs> you're not ready to admit it yet. Because I, I, oh man, I've never covered a team that's been out of it this early. So it's weird for me just from a coverage standpoint. Yeah, I mean, well, when we're there for that Niners game, I just want there to be like a Jim Carrey. So you're telling me there's a chance, like at least let's 100%. go, let's let's go to the game. Like let's not fly five thousand miles for. You know, obviously, right. we're going for a lot more reasons than just one game, but let's make the game matter in in some capacity. Yeah, and I'm prime time preferably, so it's like a three hour extra um, drinking yeah, tailgate time. beforehand. That'd yeah. be handy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. anything else? Spin, Adam? Let's, let's spin it. Uh, I'll go. I, I just remember who I was going to put in. Uh, last time, Stacey, you were on the our show, uh, Adam put your co-host in the bin for ignoring him on social media. Um, I'm going to put him in the bin for exactly the same reason, because I messaged Jake, Jake. Uh, a month ago. Yeah, and I'm yet to receive a reply. 
So he's two for two. He's got the full house of ignoring the ped pod. So he's your oh. co-host is in the in, mud, further entrenched in the bin. Shame on him. Shame <laughs> on him. Do I put something in the bin? Go for it. Someone. I'm going to go. Oh, man. I'll go Jimmy Lake on this one. It was just such <laughs> an ugly game. And he might actually be like, a. I don't know that he's going to coach uh, another game with UW, but I this feels like as close to rock bottom as you can get for this program. And I was there for 2008 and that is saying something. Uh, well, I, I have three, Stu. Okay. Um, we've, we've never I mean, I mean I've got another one. I'll, I'll Adam Schefter, but that's... Oh, no, hold, oh, hold, on, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We don't normally take bin requests, but okay. I was on the phone to Mike Dugar today and he said, are you doing a show tonight? Can you please put Adam Schefter in the bin for his stuff about Dalvin Cook? Because absolutely, that is one of the most disgraceful tweets I've ever seen from like a person in a position of influence with nine million followers. On like that is for, you know, for, for those that don't know what's going on, Dalvin Cook is embroiled in what looks like a pretty horrific domestic violence case against his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and Schefter tweeted out last night that uh, Dalvin Cook was the victim of domestic violence and then like per his agent at the bottom and and extortion and extortion mm-hmm. and there, there needs to be a serious conversation about some of these influ- uh, influencers insiders in the in the nfl now because like look when they have the shield in their badge like ian rapaport i i just ignore anything he says because it's clearly coming from if your paycheck is from the nfl you have no interest in what you say about the nfl because it's obviously going to be skewed one way or the other but yeah. you know and Adam Schefter's obviously paid by the same guys, if if not directly, but we have to expect better, especially in cases that are so important um, that you're not in the bag for these players and the agents, like for, so that you can get a scoop on where their next transfer is going to be. I, I, I was stunned, Stacey. Well, it was so insidious about it as Adam Schefter knows better. Like, I feel like he went to broadcasting school. Like, he knows how to be a journalist. It's just, and I was talking to this, uh, about this with someone, and the coworker I was talking to was like, well, but he's not a journalist. I don't think he considers himself like a, a journalist. And I was like, well, it's not about what he thinks he is. It's it's about the perspective other people have of him. Like, that's where the danger is from. If Adam Schefter wants to say, uh, I'm not a reporter, I'm an insider. Like, I just get nuggets. Fine other people millions of other people view you as a source of truth and as like the saying on something so you need to recognize that even Mm. if you don't if you don't want that responsibility it's too late you have it it's it was so such a gross uh way to ignore like any kind of journalism ethics from someone who knows them in my opinion Mm. it's I hated it. It also came comes what three weeks after he he was in the Bruce Allen inbox, right? Um, basically, <laughs> just like carrying water for him. So yeah, it's been a since he broke the Aaron Rodgers thing in the draft. It's been a a descent for uh, Adam Schefter. Um, I've got, two, I've got, Adam? Two, got two more. Stuart. I mean, Dan Olovsky wrote an all time weird article a couple of days ago, and he, he's I going. I didn't see this. Uh, oh. We'll have to send that to you, Stacey. I, mean, I think okay. he's, he's tried to come across as like, to base the premise of the article is kind of how to control your urges as a Christian male when you're on the road at work. Mm. And it just came across as all-time horny creep article, especially when he said he's learned never to be in a, in a one-on-one situation with a woman at any stage, which um, does not seem like a particularly healthy way to, to live your life. I mean, 
Yeah. Um, his, obviously, his wife not included, but I think he even said that John Kittner taught me to never be involved in a one-on-one situation with a woman, um, which, you know, cool. But yeah, <laughs> so that, that's a bin for an all-time all weird article. women out here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're just throwing themselves at the old Detroit yeah, uh, Lions backup uh, quarterback. I mean, how, how could exactly anyone resist? Right. Um, and my third one is guest related. I think Love Island is, is Dan Stace. I wish I could have slammed my phone down. You mean uh, you mean Love Island is in the bin for you, or Love Island is done as a as a series? I think maybe one and the same. I, I thought the last season they stretched it, and I think the people have become too self aware of like the situation they're in, and too aware of the cameras. And all, all we were waiting for was Casa Amor in the last season. And I hate to say it because I'm I'm a Love Island stand. Like I mean, Stuart is so disgusted with me now, right now to even bring I this felt, to the podcast. I felt like the Millie Liam drama was real. That was not them putting on. Uh, uh, what was her name? Lucy. Mm-hmm. She was definitely someone aware that she was on camera projecting yeah. an image. But Hugo uh, was at it the whole time. Exactly right. Uh, I felt like it, you know what? Do you watch the American version? No. Okay. <laughs> in the American version of Love Island, that is so much more obvious that in comparison, the UK version is like completely natural. Like, do they even know cameras are here? Because the US version is like, please watch it. The most okay. recent US season, it's painfully obvious that they are putting on and creating a narrative. And like, uh, it's one of the main couples you're like, I don't believe that this is real. How is anyone loving this? I don't understand. And it's, it's, I am comparing it to that. So we watched them at the same time and we were mm-hmm. like, the UK version is so much better. It's not even close. They also made me watch Faye for 12 weeks, which I, I, I just, after Anna, wow. Vakili, after, after Anna Vakili, I think she's the second worst Love yeah. Island character of all time. Yeah. Poor Teddy, man. Teddy didn't deserve that. He was, he was treated horribly. Yeah, it was it was an outrage. It was an outrage. Uh, okay, well, we just lost any listener that we ever may have had, and I think all of our patrons have just cancelled their subscription. So to, to get isn't, slightly, better. isn't the US version of Love Island Below Deck? Because I've watched an episode of that. No, I I haven't seen Below Deck. Everyone tells me to watch Below Deck, and I I don't, and I don't know why because I consume a, an unhealthy amount of reality television. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, those those were a lot of names, and maybe it's what our parents think they listen to our interviews on. Like, what are they talking yeah. about? Yeah, it's uh, about Island, obviously. Yeah. Uh, any any food takes in the last twelve months that you've changed oh, your opinion wow. last year? Because that's you know, obviously a um, crucial part. <laughs> yeah, that I've changed my opinion on. I I did get a lot of flack from Curtis and Jake for saying that bunt cakes were like a top five. It's probably not top five, but certainly a top ten dessert. And uh, what is bunt cake? It's like a very dense cupcake. And I said that brownies were not top five. No way top five. And uh, and that was controversial for some reason. I don't understand why, because they're all desserts. They're all delicious. I don't think my food takes are that bad. I think that they are fine. And uh, I think that, you know, some other people aren't willing to open their mind a little bit. Uh, oh, I said I like soupy mac and cheese. That, that that was totally fine. I'm okay and, with uh, that. I can't stand I'm, mac and you. cheese. I'm. That's weird. <laughs> can't stand mac and cheese. 
So all, f- for all roast potatoes. Well, that maybe. I mean, Stuart, you need to hand in your passport. <laughs> and, you know, start no, because that, no, 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 no. I went for a roast dinner with the family a few weeks ago and forgot to ask them to take it off, and I tried. Uh, nah. Although I do always change roast potatoes for chips at a pub, French fries, not crisps. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I do feel like the ceiling, the the floor on French fries is much higher than the floor on roast potatoes, which can be rubbish sometimes. The the floor on French fries, I don't know if there's a higher floor on French fries or pizza, but for both products, it's pretty high. Yeah, it's true. Even people say, oh, Domino's is awful. Yeah, but it's sensationally awful. Like it's <laughs> the best thing <laughs> in the world. Yeah, I'll complain <laughs> about it and then eat the entire it's thing. It's still 11. I'll be halfway through. Like, this oh. is trash. Who ordered this? I cook professionally and I can only aspire to cook anything ever as nice <laughs> as anything that Domino's make. Yeah. Oh. You know it's good when you feel sick, like where you're like, I think this is, I think this is messing with like my body, and like I don't know if my sodium levels are just at really unhealthy rates, but that's when you know it's really good. Yeah, when it dramatically alters your entire pH system of your body, you know you're, you're in it properly. Your heart starts racing. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And so, where, where does Stuart and I need to go at some point in our in our little week trip, first week of December? Wow. Okay, 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 okay. So, uh, well, what are you guys most excited to see? Uh, so I get a d- everything apart from one to f- half four on the Sunday. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Fair. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Where are you guys uh, staying? Uh, West Seattle, and I'm in Redmond. West Seattle. Okay, so you guys can pretty much go anywhere. Uh, wow, those are far. Um, Let's see. Oh, God. I mean, you have to go to the Space Needle. I've done it like once since I've been here, but I feel like you have to. Uh, there is. We, we, want, we want dive bar food takes right now. Yeah. We don't want like, you know, Jimi Hendrix. Like really music. abstract. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a place in Renton and mm-hmm. it's called Chuck's Donuts. Do you guys like donuts? I mean, yeah. Obviously. Uh, I've lived in Washington State my whole life. And uh, it is the best donut I've ever had. Donuts are one of my favorite foods. So I get them all the time. It is the best donut I've ever had in my life. And I'll tell you why. It's because they're very light and airy, but they make their own frosting and frost them like it's a cake. So Mm -hmm. it's not like this icing glaze. So Chuck's Donuts and Katie, where's Chuck's Donuts? Cemetery Road in Renton. Okay. It's amazing. Google so, Maps. Don't the, mind while he just yells. The best, uh, the best sandwich I've had in Seattle was at the Five Point Cafe in downtown. It was just my friend a, works there. The greasiest tuna melt or Reuben, how much I had. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, Absolutely incredible. Let me tell you guys. Are you guys a fan of fish and chips? I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> without without going know. down the all time stereotype, we'll, we'll say yes. <laughs> Some question. Uh, there is a place, I'll, I'll message it to you guys. There is a place in Fremont that is also the best fish and chips place I've been to. And that one, I think, it wasn't like an Anthony Bourdain stop, but that's one that's like a like a well-known, it, it's a place you would pass a million times and not know you passed it, but then like famous people have been there, which is weird. So it's, it's I'll send you guys that, but there's a fish and chips place uh, in between Fremont and Wallingford, right down on 34th Street. And it is phenomenal. Perfect. Cool. So that's, a, that's the rest of our week filled up, Adam. Yeah, we've yeah. said it all. 20 that, days to go. That. 
20 days to go. Um, one more in the bin. Frank Gore is on fighting on the Logan Paul undercard, and that's just depressing. What? Why? You've been in the NFL for 15 mm. years. Why do you need more money to do that? Why? Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. I don't know. No. Maybe it's uh, something he always wanted to do and so figured, like, oh, why not? Yeah, but he's, 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 he's not even fighting anyone of, like, note. He's just fighting some random guy. It's an NBA player, isn't he? <laughs> just I think dude. so. Just some guy. Yeah. I mean, the way it's going, it might be one of the Jokic brothers, if what they carry on what they're doing. God, that's amazing. <laughs> God, you know what? Let's put the Jokic brothers, or the Jokic brothers in the bin. Uh, that Twitter account they created. I can't tell if I love it or I think it's like a crime. Like I'm, it's one or the other. The Jokic Jokic brothers having, first of all, a combined account, like a couple account with no picture is wild. Yeah. What what do they put in like the basketball Gatorade? Because it seems like every one of them is a complete Fruit Loop. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. NBA Twitter is just a great place to be. That's all I'll say about it. It's just the the drama is peak. It's not like that anywhere else. Yeah, it's 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 all it's all year round. It's just absolute carnage. So I'm not at the periphery of it because a few of my mates are big into it. But yeah, uh, Stacey, where can people catch you? Uh, this site on the uh, socials, and obviously, if people who listen in America, where can they catch you? So uh, you can hear week? us. Uh, you'll probably have to listen to the podcast, but the Jake and Stacy podcast is just the version of our show that's on uh, 710 ESPN from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and then at Stacy Rost is my Twitter account. Cool. cool Actually, speaking cool. of basketball and Stacy, you're doing post-game shows at the stadium wearing Shaquille O'Neal's trousers last time I saw with G. Scott. Oh, no? <laughs> Those ones were with Jake. So I do Seahawks pregame with G Scott. And then uh, we film uh, with Chris Francis of a local uh, Cairo station here in Seattle. Uh, We film like game previews. So we film them on Thursday and they air on Saturday. And it's one of those things where you ever go back and look at a picture of yourself and you're like, why didn't anyone stop me? (laughs) (laughs) Every day. That was Uh, one of those things. It was just bad. Also talking to G Scott, that's another of your co-hosts who... I really want to get on this pod because I somehow have him on Facebook and he is a storyteller and a man who live, has uh, lived and lives one hell of a life. Yeah, he is a blast. He's, he's such a good dude and he has such a crazy story. And, uh, and, and still his story, I think you guys will love talking to him because he still gets some, some uh, hate from it. Uh, I think for people who want to judge the way that he got into the industry, but I think it's one of the cooler stories I've ever heard of anyone's path to the NFL. Yeah. And also he had one of my favorite replies on Twitter when someone asked him if his son was going to commit to Washington and Chris Peterson. And he posted a gift of a ship sailing away, <laughs> <laughs> which is just the best. <laughs> and he did. He Check went to that. Ohio State. He's now a tight end, I think, as well. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. such a tight end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As always, Stacey, massively appreciate you taking the time to speak to, uh, me and Adam. Uh, people listening, patreon.com forward slash the pedestrian podcast, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, all the usual means and methods. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Oh, hot. Oh.